in terms of like the parents though, how can one expect a parent to not necessarily just be looking out for their child? I mean, it's hard for a parent, especially in that situation when they're feeling like, oh, this is not going to be a good situation for my child to not be like, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> we got to stop the, we got, we got to really address this right now. And to not necessarily look at everything else that's going on. Sure. Absolutely. And I, and I think parents have a responsibility to advocate for their child and to make the school aware. It's a question of how they do it. It's not a question of, I think, I think the school has to be open to hearing. Perhaps they overlooked something. Perhaps something has happened in the summer that they weren't aware in terms of dynamics or, or, or friendships or not healthy uh, relationships. At the same time, it's all a question of approach. If it's done in a respectful manner, generally it will come out positive. If it's done in an attacking way, if it's in a, done, in, done in a, if it's overly emotional, it generally, uh, you know, there are, there are feelings both ways and it ends up less ideal. Welcome back to the Jews Next Door podcast, where each month we explore a different topic in the parenting hierarchy of needs with the goal of raising the next generation of passionate and committed Jews. I'm your host, Rabbi Irman Shell, and today we have a special guest episode, both because of who the guest is, as well as because it's a special topic. We are preparing for the school year, and today's guest is none other than my father, Rabbi Menschel, the original Rabbi Menschel, some would say maybe the OG Rabbi Menschel, which it's such a pleasure for me to be able to sit with my father, who has been the Rosh Hashiva for, of, of Yeshiva HaTorah for the past 28 years and the head of school and principal before that in St. Louis for 10 years and Minneapolis before that. And he, whenever I meet people who, you know, right away know my father, because my father, Baruch Hashem, is very well known in this, in the education world. Every time I meet people, people, they always say to me, your father is one of the old time educators. And, and what that means is because he really cares about each and every single child. And the reason that he really cares about each and every single child is, you know, from my conversations that I, many conversations I've had with him about this topic is because he really views school and parents as a partnership. And that's what we're going to be talk, talking about today. The partnership between parents and a school, which is something that, you know, if you ask almost any parents in Yeshiva Torah, they all know that one of my father's favorite words to say, his go-to words is to talk about the partnership. So without further ado, it's an absolute pleasure. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, Rabbi Menchel. Thank you so much, Abba, for taking the time to, to speak with us today. It's my great pleasure and honor and uh, proud to be here. Amazing. So as we gear up for another start of another school year, I know you're very busy here in Yeshiva Torah here preparing for another school year. So first of all, thank you for your time. But besides for that, you know, one of the, one of the things for parents to do as they're preparing is to think about, you know, we're preparing for a new school year. It's a whole, you know, we're about to become an Elul, a new time for restarting. So restarting a, a fresh approach towards that partnership that is, you know, that, that partnership that parents and, and schools have. Why, you know, it's something that I know you speak a lot about. Why, why is that something you speak so much about? Why is it so ideal for there to be a partnership? And I guess, you know, I just add, I can understand, you know, we are both educators. I, I was blessed to be able to follow, try to follow a little bit in your footsteps. So we're both educators and we can understand from our perspective why it's important. But why would it be important for a parent from a parent's perspective? Excellent question and uh, very, very important topic. It's a topic that I, I do speak about a lot and I think about a lot and uh, truly believe that it's, it's an essential piece in the success of a child and success of the yeshiva experience. First, we have to realize that uh, parents sending to a yeshiva or a day school is not just sending to school because what the yeshiva represents to a, 
to a child and to a family is a lifestyle. It's not simply going to school, but it's, it's much more. It's an extension of the family, an ex- extension of the community, and it's really being part of Klal Yisrael, being part of our, of our heritage. And therefore, that decision is a critical one. Mm-hmm. And once the decision is made, it's really critical that parents and school work together as one. Why is that so important? Because ultimately, when a child sees that parents are aligned with the school in terms of values, in terms of expectations, in terms of hopes and dreams for the child, then the message to the, to the child is so powerful and sends the message to the child that this is not just a school experience, but this is an experience for life. This is really preparing for life, preparing for how you want to live your life, who you want to be associated with in your life, what are your priorities in life. And I think that those values instilled properly at a young age make all the difference in the future of the child. And parents who work together with the school, who partner with the school, who are aligned in terms of values, in terms of hopes and dreams for their child with the school, that, that combination is so strong. And it really, I believe, sets the child up for success. Huh. So what would you say is the most ideal form of that, of that partnership? I think it's important to realize that the partnership, the relationship between the school and parents has to be based on trust. I would say, and I have told parents, not often Baruch Hashem, that if, if there isn't that trust, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not right for the child. It's not the right place. There has to be trust. And of course, trust has to be earned. It doesn't happen automatically. And that trust is, is based on, number one, shared goals and shared values, but also a shared respect, a mutual respect both ways. Never should the school, never would the school undermine the parents to a child. And similarly, never should parents undermine the school. When I say the school, I mean the school in the broadest sense, the teachers, the administration, the board, whatever interactions you have. We have to maintain that level of respect. It doesn't mean we always agree with one another. It doesn't mean we see things exactly the same. There can be healthy disagreement. However, ultimately, it's so critical that we show a high level of regard, a high level of kavod, for the school as an institution, for the yeshiva, for what it stands for, and by definition, those people associated. So often you hear of stories where parents talk with their friends around the Shabbos table Mm. or talk on the phone, (laughs) and they think their child's not paying attention, their child doesn't hear, but we know. The children hear everything, they focus on everything, and their values and their perspective will be shaped by what they hear the attitudes and values of their parents. So true. The Shabbos table, especially the children are, even if they're not right at the Shabbos table, they're, you know, with an earshot typically and they hear what's going on. They know what's going on, especially if they hear that there's a talk about their school or their teachers or their administrators, their ears, you know, they, they get a little more interested and they, they really do hear. It's very true. Not to mention that uh, today with social media Mm. and opportunities for, Expressing ourselves, what we think is not somewhat anonymously through social media, lots of lashon hara, lots of rechilut, 
lots of undermining the cover, the respect of teachers and schools. And um, it's a shame. It's painful. And we have to be, we have to be aware of that. That's not a partnership. In other words, partnership is transparency, openness, effective communication. Of course, it starts with the school. The school has to set the model. The school has to really set the tone for that kind of respectful communication and relationship. However, it has to be reciprocated for it to really be a good partnership and a healthy partnership. Totally. Are there other components to it besides for, I mean, obviously trust is the bedrock for, for any relationship. Are there other components to it beyond the trust? The partnership means that once again, if you, if you don't understand why a decision was made by a teacher or by a school, a policy, Mm -hmm. you inquire, you respectfully try to understand schools should feel obliged to, to explain and to, and to make, make themselves understood. It shouldn't just be, this is the way we do it. And, you know, we always did it this way. That's, that's never a good answer. It always should be that the school is ready to explain itself. However, ultimately there may be different perspectives. And if parents want the bigger picture, if they want the bigger goals to be accomplished, they need to respect, respect the position of the school vis-a-vis their child. Mm-hmm. If, if they don't, it, it has lasting negative implications and it causes damage. You're talking about like when the school makes like recommendations in terms of, you know, placement or testing or like that, or, or are you talking about other components? There are so many decisions that are made regarding each child and so many matters that come into play. Class placement, of course, I don't know, you know, in our school, um, we spend hours re- looking at each class each year, each summer, we spend hours reassessing what's the best, healthiest dynamic for the classroom, educationally, socially. Parents are focused on their child. Sometimes they don't, they lose sight of the bigger picture. And, and that doesn't mean that, there's, that the school doesn't sometimes overlook things and, and, and things could be changed. However, in the big picture, those conversations are adult conversations. They're not conversations involving the child mm-hmm. because the child can't distinguish and make those nuances uh, clear so that they still maintain respect even if they disagree. For them, it's, it's one or the other. It's more black and white. In terms of like the parents though, how can one expect a parent to not necessarily just be looking out for their child? I mean, it's hard for a parent, especially in that situation when they're feeling like, oh, this is not going to be a good situation for my child to not be like, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> we got to stop the, we got, we got to really address this right now. And to not necessarily look at everything else that's going on. Sure. Absolutely. And I, and I think Parents have a responsibility to advocate for their child and to make the school aware. It's a question of how they do it. It's not a question of, I think, I think the school has to be open to hearing. Perhaps they overlooked something. Perhaps something has happened in the summer that they weren't aware in terms of dynamics or, or, or friendships or not healthy uh, relationships. At the same time, it's all a question of approach. If it's done in a respectful manner, generally it will come out positive. If it's done in an attacking way, if it's in a, done in done in a, if it's overly emotional, it generally, uh, you know, there are there are feelings both ways, and it ends up less ideal. Totally. Ultimately, it's about the child, and right? it's not about the the relationship between parents and 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 the school is ultimately in the best interest of the child. 
parents need to understand and truly believe that the school is on the same page that they are. The school wants what's best for the child. That's where the trust comes in. Like you're saying, that's where that's, the, that's, that's, that's the bedrock comes. of that trust. And if you can't have the trust, it's not the right school. Mm. It's obviously, it has to be developed and it has to be deepened. And that is on the school to a large degree to be transparent, to be open, to, 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 be, to, to welcome communication, not to see it as an attack or as a threat. Sure. At the same time, the parents have to understand that the school is not doing things to their child. The school is here to help their child grow and thrive and be inspired and have a positive experience. And for, for, for a child in a yeshiva, the positive experience is not just getting a good education. The positive experience ultimately is their connection to Klal Yisrael, is their connection to Yiddishkeit, is a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the stakes are high. And that's why it's so critical that the, teach, that the, that the child, that the children see their parents as aligned and working together in harmony, in respectful harmony with the school. Totally. I feel like in terms of this partnership, there's two, there's, there's obviously two sides, right? There's the parents side in, in the home and then there's, you know, the school side. So in terms of the parent side, how can parents set up the home or shape an environment at home that is providing the social emotional skills that the children need to be able to come into school and, you know, be on, be, be in their best behavior and best right. be acclimated for a school day. I think it goes back to some fundamental thoughts regarding parenting parents who who allow their children to, to make mistakes and learn from their mistakes in a healthy way, much better than always trying to save their child, always trying to prevent their child from any discomfort. parents, as they call right. it, the helicopter. Right. the helicopter parents, right. Those parents are setting up their children to have expectations that they will be saved. And it sets up sort of a a cycle where the child will not be able to advocate for themselves at any point, And they should be able at a certain age to begin to advocate for themselves. Parents should want their children to gain that independence. And if parents begin by parenting in that way in the home, then it sets up for children to understand that we take risks. We only learn if we take risks, we learn from our mistakes. Uh, it's critical for the success of the child. And, and what parents can do is foster in their children a level of independence and for children to also trust their teachers, trust the administration, that they're out, out for the best interests of the child. Um, that message is a critical message. I think that while I don't have data, those parents, who, who partner with the school are more likely to, to sustain the child's connection to, to Yiddishkeit if it's a positive partnership. Totally. And Rahman Litzlan, if it's not, it has serious implications long-term. Have you, have you seen examples, let's say, in your own experience where, let's say, that partnership did break down and maybe like years down the line you've seen that type of, obviously not to name any names, but. I have certainly seen where children received 
messages from parents that were not supportive messages of the school and where that has created attitudes and and approaches to to the school and again the school to the child equals religion equals yiddishkeit and when that is not when that is not strong when that is not healthy it, i've certainly seen it have an impact totally wow Oh, well, I'm curious, you know, we've been talking a lot on the parent side, on the school side, obviously maybe you can talk more than just our Torah, but in, in terms of, you know, what training in general do both teachers and administrators get to be able to really partner with? Is that something that is typically like I, I, I as an educator myself, I'm not sure that I've necessarily experienced that so much. We've so, we, I feel like there's been a lot of talk about emails for sure constant communication, but is there more that can be done or maybe should be done in terms of that partnership and in terms of training the educators on the educator side? It's a great question. Um, a number of years ago, we incorporated in our, in our new teacher orientation. We have a special new teacher, new faculty, and each year we have new people coming in. Um, school has been growing and we, we've added faculty. We have a new teacher orientation that includes a session just on communication skills how to communicate effectively with parents, how to create that partnership, how to, how to help teachers not be defensive, help teachers be proactive, to have teachers communicate effectively with parents to create that partnership. It's critical for parents to see that teachers and administrators care deeply about their child, that they see the positive in their child, that they are invested in the success of the child. That's a relationship that has to be created before you can have the trust. And that's on the school. That's why we encourage our teachers all the, always to reach out to parents when they catch the child doing something right, when they want to celebrate some success. Reach out to the parents then. Create a relationship where the parents see you as the, as the child's advocate. Not just that the parents are advocates. Teachers are advocates. If the parents see the teachers that way, then when the message has to be delivered that's not as pleasant, not as positive, something that needs, that's a struggle for the child, then the parent is much more likely to be open. Mm. And so we, we help our teachers, especially our new teachers, understand that that's part of our culture, that we want to be proactive, we want to be we want to have a relationship with parents and that relationship contributes to the partnership. We also, um, you mentioned emails um, and being responsive. So of course, being responsive to parents is critical and we have guidelines for our teachers in terms of uh, when, when they, in, within what time period and, and how they should communicate. But also we try to impress upon our teachers that while emails may be efficient, Emails are sometimes not the way to communicate. Phone calls it's, always the it's best. It's not appropriate and not helpful. To tr you're not going to create a relationship and a partnership through emails. You may be able to communicate information, may be able to share information, but to really have that relationship, it requires a phone call. Yeah. The phone calls may not be as convenient, may not be as, as easy for a teacher. And we coach teachers in that as well. We coach teachers to help, to help them be comfortable with a phone call. Mm -hmm.
But of course, to the degree that parents are able to interact appropriately with teachers, that helps teachers. I feel like it, that the training that you were saying you do, I feel like there, there should do like all schools across the everywhere should really do that for parents too. Right. That would be very, and we very do, impactful. We do try. We do try to talk to parents about how important it is mm-hmm. to partner appropriately. That it, ultimately that we're here to help the child and we want parents to believe that authentically and honestly and to partner with us in a, in a sincere way. In terms of, you know, you were, you were talking before about the, uh, when schools make recommendations, I feel like sometimes as like, you know, a parent can get a little either defensive or feel frustrated about some of the recommendations. What's the best way for a parent to deal with those types of recommendations coming from a school, especially when maybe they don't really fully agree? So again, I, I think it starts with the school creating an environment and creating a relationship where parents feel comfortable disagreeing respectfully, questioning. Obviously, if parents are in denial, difficult to deal with, very difficult to break through that denial. But ultimately, teachers should not be doing it alone. In other words, teachers should be sharing observations about students, should be sharing information about their students. The recommendations, unless it's a, shall we say, a lower level recommendation, anything that escalates to something a little more serious, whether it's outside interventions, counseling, evaluations, those kinds of things. Typically, we recommend teachers not to make those recommendations. That should be made by an administrator, a school psychologist, someone who has the bigger picture. And again, we want to maintain the relationship. We don't want that to be a barrier. Mm -hmm. And so the teacher shouldn't, I'm sorry, the parent should not see the teacher as the one who's delivering the, the unpleasant message. They should see the teacher as they're do, the teacher is doing everything they can and will continue to do everything they can to help their child. Sure. And in terms of, you know, in, on that same like idea, sometimes a parent can feel, you know, obviously, as you were mentioning before, in the ideal the school is always looking out for the best interest of the child, for sure. Sometimes a parent, you know, when it comes, like you were mentioning the trust, sometimes that trust is, you know, maybe still a little bit on rocky grounds and parents are not sure hundred percent does the school have the best interest or maybe they wrote my child off already. Maybe they already labeled my child and they're kind of like, that's it. That's who my child is. How can a parent best tell when, you know, the difference between when it's coming from a really genuine best meaning place, or it's like really that their child is maybe written off and maybe they should either look for a different school or really need to like figure out how to get that label away from their child. That's why I think it's important for there to be a team approach from the school's perspective. It's not about one person's relationship. One person may not be able to connect with every parent, but if you have a team, hopefully, and we've seen, I've seen this over and over again, the parents feel comfortable and feel connected to a member of the team and they can talk openly with that member of the team and mm-hmm. they can trust that member of the team, whether it's an administrator, an assistant principal, the head of school at times, a school psychologist, a learning specialist. We have a whole team working. And when we, when we run into struggles for a child, we, we, we leverage all of our resources and the, the parents see that and very often there is some relationship that the parent can can feel comfortable pursuing 
a, a deeper conversation about the child to gain a deeper insight. And, you know, sometimes the, the meetings are overwhelming and a little daunting for parents. And sometimes follow-up with an individual member of the team is very, very helpful. Sure. And is there other, meaning in terms of a parent being able to like, turns out the difference of when they're seeing that, like maybe, are you saying that the answer is have a, have a deeper conversation with whoever you feel most comfortable or are there other ways that a parent can, you know, navigate that type of situation? Again, ultimately, I think a lot of that is on how things are set up by the school and it's on us to present ourselves as professionals, as, as compassionate, as really being advocates for children. Um, I think if parents don't believe that, ultimately you can't be successful. Right. And uh, it's, in our, in, it's in the child's best interest, and, and, and that's really what we're here for, and that's what we're about, to, to really try to make those connections and create those relationships. You know, the administrators of the school have relationships with parents. They go to their smachot. They go to, they're, they're there in times of need, not about a particular issue with a child. And, right. and those relationships go a long way. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things I think schools need to realize. It's, it's not, this is a parent's issue. It's really, it's, it's, it's a joint issue. Partnership really has to go both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because you were saying like the administrators sometimes have that relationship. So, so sometimes teachers who don't necessarily feel like they have that same type of relationship might sometimes be a little nervous to share things because they might be nervous, like, you know, the blame the messenger kind of concept might come up. So how can that be avoided both in terms of, you know, how can, how can we set up a situation where the teachers will feel comfortable to share? And I guess on the parent end, how can we? What, I, what I've seen is that when teachers genuinely try to help a child they're brainstorming trying different things and they're communicating that to parents along the way it it goes a long way and I, again i i don't think i think teachers have to be careful not to overstep their role they are there to share the information to share their observations and to share their um what what they're seeing what the struggles might look like in the context of the class to share um, the relative difficulties that a child is having based on expectations mm. or, or, you know, expectations that you have for a child at that grade level or at that stage. Going beyond that, I think that's where teachers get into trouble. And I think they should not be, they should not be labeling ever. I think schools should not be labeling. Labeling is, is not a healthy thing ever. Um, it's necessary sometimes to have a, you know, a diagnosis to know how to treat, but the label per se is really is under undermines the efforts to try to help a child. Uh, so I would always recommend teachers not to, not not only not to label, but not to imply that they know why the child is having those struggles. They they probably don't know why, and to to overstep their their space of 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 what where they should be. Um, generally causes that's what that's what sometimes causes distrust and, right. and causes you know parents to pull back yeah got it sure would you say there's anything on this topic that let's say parents wouldn't even think to either ask about or know about in 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 terms of creating that partnership or just in general on this topic that we that we haven't even addressed or you know things that additional things that parents should be aware of i i always find that 
as much as I've talked about the importance of the school being transparent and open and communicating, it's also critical that parents, you know, it's not always comfortable to be open and transparent. However, if the goal is to help the child and, and parents trust that that's what the school is here for, then I do believe that their openness, their sharing of perspective and sharing of even things that are going on with the child, things that are going on beyond the child within the family, that kind of sharing creates a closer relationship. It gives the, the school the opportunity even to be more understanding, to be more compassionate because they understand the circumstances. And parents sometimes don't realize that, that, that that's really important. I often think about a situation where parent, uh, again, just one example, there are many, um, parent recommendation and evaluation is made, a parent is recommended uh, by the by the neurologist or psychiatrist to to have their child uh, placed on some kind of medication to support the child uh, the child's very impulsive the child is having struggling in learning in class and when the parents decide to follow that recommendation but don't tell the school mm. and they're looking to sort of test the school is the school going to notice a difference mm. so when I hear those situations, it doesn't happen often, Baruch Hashem, but when it happens, it just, it highlights how critical it is that parents realize we're not here to test. We're not here to see if the school is, is noticing, if the school is observant, if the school is, is, um, is authentic. But we're here to work together. Right. Working together means sharing information. Totally. Totally. You know, in terms of, one thing I realized just that we, that we haven't really discussed is, what does a what can a school do or what can parents do when the partnership has broken down? Right? In that type of situation, how can what interventions can both either on the parenting end and on the school end can be done to kind of repair that partnership? So I think it goes back to the basics, and I think the school has to find someone who who has a, who already has a relationship or who has a level of who has the trust of the parents to reach out to try to repair if there's been some some um, tension or, or struggle in the relationship. It, it means reaching out and, and, and trying to understand how the parent sees it and, and to try to, to build those bridges. Um, from the parent perspective, again, I would, I would hope that parents at some level believe that, uh, that the school representatives are professionals. We're not taking it personally. It's not a personal affront. If the parent is is not uh, is not trusting, or is there's a breakdown from the parent end, they should realize that the way to repair that is to is to um, to turn to the professionals again. To turn to probably one that they feel most comfortable with, and uh, and talk openly to try to to try to bridge that gap. As we wrap up, any, any final message? I, I would want to share one thing, and that is that I believe that the, 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 the partnership between a yeshiva and parents is a critical piece in the success of a child. I also believe that, you know, we struggle today. I'm not the only head of school that 
that is struggling, and we're, we're all struggling to find talent to enter our field. Mm. And I have no doubt that better relationships, better communication, more respectful dialogue between parents and teachers can only help in trying to encourage more people to enter the field. I think that we're, we're in a crisis and we need to realize that no one's perfect, but we are here to do a sincere and genuine and compassionate job with children. And respect of a child, which is critical, is a message that we try to convey to the child. Respect of a teacher, respect of an educator, is a message we have to communicate as well. Students will pick up on their parents' lead. If parents are respectful, if parents speak to teachers with the regard that they deserve, then we can hopefully have an, an impact of elevating the profession, elevating the, the field of chinuch to, our, to, to, to teachers and to parents and to prospective teachers. Mm. Wow, so true, so true. And I, I love that point. It's, it's a very powerful point. I remember seeing something, somewhat recently actually, about that when you get an email or when you're about to email, Think about for a second, you know, would you, how would you feel receiving that email? Uh, meaning if you think about as a teacher, getting that, getting an email from a teacher or as a parent emailing a teacher goes both ways. Right. And like you're saying, it, if people feel more respected in the, in the field, I'm sure there are other, other components to why Chinuch is, is, is a, is a struggling field right now. But uh, there's, this is definitely a huge component. hundred percent. hundred percent. If you have to Kamocha never do to another what you wouldn't want done to yourself. It applies here as well. Very true. It's, uh, it's been such a pleasure. Really, you are my greatest role model. You are my favorite person in the whole world. And it's really been a, an absolute pleasure to sit with you. And thank you. Thank and, you so much uh, for your time. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm, I'm so proud of what you're doing and I wish you continued Hatzlach. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Jews Next Door. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Reach out to us. Reach out to me at yair at jenoff.org. Hi at jenoff.org. You can check us out on the website. You could leave a question there. We'd love to be in touch. Please be in touch. Check us out on Instagram at Parenting the Jews Next Door. Hit me up on Twitter at Yair Manchel. And we got, we're on TikTok now too. We have some great content, a lot of really great insights into parenting, tips, parenting pointers, reaction videos, and quotes. We have a lot going on. We have a lot of articles. You want to check it out. Check it out at jenoff.org. You won't be sorry you did. And I look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Looking forward to another great episode next week.